Welcome to the OCR Underground Show. Each week, you get the latest research, training secrets of top coaches, and everything you need to crush your next obstacle course race and finish burpee-free. Here's your host, SGX coach, Mike Diebler. Welcome to the OCR Underground Show. I'm your host, SGX coach, Mike Diebler. Uh, you're listening to episode 86. If you want to check out the show notes for today's episode, head on over to ocrunderground.com slash episode 86. As always, I have an awesome jam-packed episode for you today. Uh, today, I want to talk about in the Inside Mike's Mind segment, I'm going to talk all about cramping, uh, just something that always comes up. I've talked about it before, but I just think it needs to be said again. Uh, in my research, I'm going to talk about uh, the bilateral strength deficit, and I'll explain what exactly that means. And in my SGX coach interview, uh, today I chat with Becky Webb. Becky's a SGX coach and a mindset coach. So we're going to dive deep into some keys that she feels are essential for mindset training. Well, uh, as you probably have heard in some of my previous episodes, I'm still dealing with my uh, current injury, my pec injury. Um, but I wanted to report that I'm doing better, um, you know, just a few weeks out since it happened. Uh, I'm pretty happy with how it's progressing. It's super frustrating not being able to do all the stuff I want to do. But like I talked about last time, there's still a lot that I can do. I think the hardest part is, um, and if you've been injured and had to miss a race, uh, that's always the worst part, right? That fear of missing out. So I was supposed to be in Big Bear, um, you know, not ready for that one. Uh, another race in November, most likely not going to be uh, available for that one either. Hopeful for maybe an easy one in December, but we'll just kind of play it by ear and, and see how it goes. But um, definitely getting better, getting closer to being able to do more and more. But I want to be smart about this and, and make sure that I'm uh, taking my time and, and recovering and, and not doing anything stupid where I have a, a setback there. So, so going strong. Uh, before we get into today's episode, I do want to let you know about our uh, sponsors to the show. One uh, I've been using on a daily basis, and you know, even more so with my injury, and that's Venga CBD. You can check them out at vengacbd.com/ocrunderground. Uh, they have uh, CBD products specifically engineered with the endurance athlete in mind. Uh, kind of when I was getting ready for my races, I love the combination of the energy drink before my, especially my longer workouts, my longer runs, and then um, during my fueling during the runs using the CBD gummies. Uh, I just like that, that combination for just uh, providing energy, but also really just keeping that, that inflammation as low as possible when, when I was, you know, putting a lot of stress on my body, adding up those miles there. Um, right now, I'm, I'm sticking with the, uh, the uh, gels, the CBD gels, as well as the CBD balm, again, just to help with uh, that inflammation and just speeding up recovery fast as I can, so I can get back to it as, as soon as possible. So they uh, have a, a great range of products out there for a variety of needs. Again, head on over to vengacbd.com slash OCR underground. And uh, don't forget, use code OCR Underground 25, if it's going to be your first order, you're going to save 25%, or they're offering a special bonus, you can use code OCR Underground 50, and you'll actually get 50% off your first month's subscription uh, when you sign up for one of their subscription programs. So pretty uh, pretty big savings there. 
And I also want to let you know about Anchor Training. Uh, I've been talking about the, the Anchor Training system for a, a little while now, and I just can't speak highly of, uh, enough of this. It's such an incredible piece of equipment, especially if you're really trying to build out your home gym. Uh, one of the big things that is, is hard to replicate at home are, are those functional trainers, cable machines, things like that. Um, it is not your typical pulley system. It's actually based off of a spring-loading system, which makes it a, a really cool to, for, tool for power development. So you can do all the exercises you would use from a, a, you know, a cable machine, but then you can add different attachments to add power to it. So being able to move uh, through range of motion as quickly as possible um, is a really cool option that you can use with with these and actually they're coming out with their anchor pro which is a um, little heavier duty uh, system kind of commercial grade uh, version and they have kind of the home version as well uh, but you can you can save a hundred dollars right now um, if you pre-order their their new system which is pretty cool um, and you get 10% off when you use OCR underground uh, at, in the coupon code. So again, you can get some pretty big savings there. Uh, check it out. It's really hard to explain how it works, but watch their videos they have set up. Uh, it is, it's definitely my, my favorite piece of training equipment that, that we have right now. We have a couple at the studio and I'm, I'm actually thinking about getting a few more, uh, one for at home too, because it's, it's so useful. Uh, but head on over to anchortraining.com and again, use code OCR underground. All right, well, it's time for the Inside Mike's Mind segment, and I'm going to talk all about cramping today. Um, like I mentioned, I know I've talked cramping in the past, but it's it's just a question I see come up all the time. You know, what do I do? How do I avoid cramping? Uh, things like that. So I, I thought it was worth chatting with again, um, because I think there are a lot of myths and misconceptions on why we get cramps in the first place. So when you look at kind of researching cramped, uh, cramping it's really tricky because not all cramps are the same you know and you probably experienced different kinds of cramps yourself uh, and even more so it's just really hard to study because how do you replicate it right you you don't always know when you're going to get a, a cramp it, sometimes they happen sometimes they don't um, so it, it just makes it really hard to study so a lot of the studies that you see that involve cramps are done with um, uh, electric stimulation right where they're going to some electrodes up to a muscle and they basically force it into a shortened position and contract super hard if you do that long enough it's it's going to cramp so that's that's kind of their best way that they uh, use to study it so of course it's not like a normal cramp but at least they can look at, at a few things um, I think it's also important to look at risk factors because I think those are some things that we definitely know some people are going to be at higher risk for getting cramps than other people and uh, always one of the big things is going to be genetics, right? There, there are genes that have been believed to uh, lead to higher incidences of, um, of cramping. So you're not gonna change your genetics, but it's just something to be in mind, uh, keep in mind that some people just are going to have to work a little bit harder or deal with this happening a little bit more often. Doesn't mean you can't avoid them, it just means that uh, you're more at risk for, for something like that. Um, obviously, any anybody participating in endurance activities are where we're going to see uh, most cramping take place. So if we're doing OCR, 
most likely. We're falling into uh, that category there. Uh, it could be in hot weather, but there are plenty of uh, instances and research showing that it can happen in colder temperatures at two, uh, as well. So it's not just the hot weather that you might fall victim to cramping. It can absolutely ha uh, happen in cold weather uh, as well. Lower levels of fitness is a huge risk factor. So hopefully you're not falling in that category, but those that aren't, aren't um, you know, exercising and, uh, and another risk factor is stretching regularly uh, are going to be at, at a higher risk. Um, anyone participating in high-intensity activities, long durations, hilly terrain um, is going to lead to uh, premature muscle fatigue, which often leads to cramping. Um, other things, older age, higher body mass index, um, like I mentioned, irregular stretching habits, all of these are going to influence how likely it is that you're going to suffer from, um, from cramping. Uh, and one other big one that I, I really want to touch on later too when we talk about how, how do we prevent these things is when you're, they typically happen when you're running at faster paces than you normally train in, or when you're running longer distances than you normally train in, or when you're uh, performing on uh, different terrain than you're used to uh, training in. So basically when you're stepping out of what you typically train, that's when you're at higher risk. So. Uh, I just wanted to at least bring those up so we get a clear picture of, you know, who's going to be the most likely to suffer from, from cramping. Now, what are, what are the causes, right? So why do we cramp in the first place? And if you post this online, you're going to get a million responses about hydration and electrolytes and things like that. And first off, there's probably multiple, uh, multiple reasons why we cramp, right? The human body is complex and it's really hard to narrow it down to just one thing. Um, but I don't think really, you know, my personal opinion is most of the cramping that you see in, you know, races like this, I just don't believe are electrolyte and hydration issues. Now, sure, absolutely, they, they can happen. It, it might be a, a very hot race and you may be dehydrated and, and not prepared for something like that. So I don't want to say that, you know, hy uh, hydrating and, you know, taking electrolytes are useless. I'm just saying... I don't think that that's the top culprit when we see all these crampings coming up. Is it contributing? Definitely, it might be playing a factor. So I'm still saying make sure you're adequately hydrated, make sure you are um, getting your electrolytes because just drinking water can actually be making things worse if you're diluting the uh, electrolytes in your body. So we need to make sure that we have that balance there. So a lot of the studies looking at this concept of hydration electrolytes or from like the 1920s and 30s, looking at miners and construction workers and um, manual laborers and seeing that when they were given sodium solution, it seemed to help with cramping. Um, but we don't see a lot of replication and, and how these studies were run are kind of hard to determine because they were so old. So I'm not saying that they're, they're useless. It's just that I don't think we get the, the whole picture when we're just focusing on hydration and electrolytes. And really when you watch people out there racing, they're they're loaded up there with their hydration pack, you know, it's full of electrolytes and they're still cramping, right? Mm -hmm. So is the answer getting more and more electrolytes? I, I just don't I don't think that that's going to be the solution. So the other theory behind why cramping uh, occurs is due to altered neuromuscular control. So 
basically our nervous system controls everything, right? It controls your heart beating, your digesting food, you know, everything. It, it's going to, you know, tell your body what to do and including your mu muscles. So your muscles don't um, decide what to do. Your, your brain tells it what to do and your, ultimately your, your nervous system tells it what to do. Sometimes you're in control and sometimes you're not, right? You don't, you don't think about your heart beating every day. You might do some breathing exercises that maybe speed it up or slow it down, but that's what our nervous system is there to do to make sure it controls that. So what this essentially means is it's almost like faulty wiring where our, for some reason, our nervous system is telling a muscle to contract without relaxing. So normally we, we contract a muscle, we relax it, we have control of those things. But when a muscle typically has become very fatigued, it's in a, a position that it hasn't been in before or it's, it's been there for too long, uh, your body senses that as a threat and now it's going to see, uh, find a way for you to stop and cramping is a great way for you to stop, right? Because it's painful and you're not gonna be able to continue to work. So this is, is the idea. We have an increase activity and a decrease in activity in certain sensors in the muscles and tendons. So we have receptors in our muscles and sorry to get a little nerdy, but just to explain how this works, you have muscle spindles, which when they're uh, activated, they will cause a muscle to shorten, right? To contract. And, you know, sometimes we, we want this to happen, right? You've, you've gone to the doctor and they tap below the, the knee, right? And you, you get that engagement there. That's the muscle spindles firing, right? So you, you really have no control over that, right? When they tap that knee, your, your foot kicks out and that's a reflex. Uh, so that's, that's kind of how the muscle spindle works. And then we have another receptor, the Golgi tendon organs, which here, uh, they cause the muscles to relax. So we have this nice balance here of uh, uh, sensors of the, in the nervous system within the muscles and the tendons that either cause a muscle to contract or relax. So when muscles become incredibly fatigued, we have, again, faulty wiring. There's an error message going through and it's causing overstimulation of the muscle spindles and under stimulation of the Golgi tendon organs. So now we have a muscle just constantly contracting without the other receptors telling it to relax. So um, in my opinion, I think this is mainly what we see. And when we think about it, and when you look at some things that happen when you get a cramp, right? If you, you know, drinking uh, water and electrolytes, it, it, it may help, but you're, you're not gonna really see much of a benefit from that. When you experience a cramp, some things that you do where you get immediate relief, one is stretching, right? And that's going to be a big thing, stretching and massage, because both of those directly influence the, not only the muscle, but the nervous system as well, right? That's why you stretch. You're trying to inhibit the nervous system from creating tension in the muscle. So stretching works well because it has that direct impact on the nervous system. Massage does the same thing. Um, so uh, you also see, you know, pickle juice and, and mustard and... Uh, <clears throat> there are studies looking at when, when we uh, stimulate a cramp and consume pickle juice, we see a significant reduction in that cramp. When they monitor electrolyte levels, because yes, there is sodium in pickle juice, uh, they don't see much of a, a change in the plasma levels of, of electrolytes. So we see a, a, a reduction in the cramping, yet no change in electrolyte levels. So again, it's just pointing the way that it's it's not just about the electrolytes, it's about the nervous system. So what it's believed to do is, you know, things like pickle juice and things like mustard and um, 
even hot peppers, uh, there are compounds in those that when you consume them, they immediately uh, respond or uh, react with the nervous system, essentially telling it to calm down. So that's why many people, when they're having a cramp, when they when they take that pickle juice or mustard or whatever it is, uh, they get that pretty much immediate uh, relief there. Not to say that it's not going to come back, but it does provide that relief because it's toning down the nervous system and that is the ultimate goal for um, getting that cramp to, to get better. So what can we take from all of this? Like I said, you need adequate hydration. You want to make sure you're not just getting in water, you're getting your electrolytes in, not just for cramping, but for a variety of reasons. So your body, body functions the way that it's supposed to. Um, but really, when we look at cramping, I think primarily the types of cramping that we see are going to be due to this altered neuromuscular activity, the nervous system on overdrive. Why is that happening? I think it's because we're not putting the body in the position that we need to for race day, right? We're not training it adequately to prevent those cramps from happening. So uh, if we're going to, you know, I want you to be able to take away a few things here. Um, that's one thing is just make sure you are exposing your body to paces that you're going to see in a race, uh, durations that you're going to see in a race, uh, terrain that you're going to see in a race uh, as, as much as you can, right? Constant exposure to those things, um, obviously part of a good program, are going to be a great way to just better prepare your body. Uh, the other thing is that I mentioned, just irregular stretching habits is a really big risk, risk factor. So if you tend to be tight, you're a risk factor for getting cramps. So if you're not regularly stretching, and by regular, that's probably every day, you should be incorporating some stretching into your routine. Um, you probably want to start doing that. Now think, where do you get cramps? You know, calves are a big one, inner thighs, hamstrings, quads, right? They can happen anywhere. Those are some of the big ones. So pay attention to where do you experience most of your cramps? Those are the areas that you probably want to incorporate more foam rolling, massage guns, stretching, things like that. Uh, just a real quick example that um, I talk about with clients all the time is, you know, if you're getting cramps in your calves going uphill, um, I can, I'll guarantee that you probably have an issue at your ankles, right? Your, your feet are turning out really wide when you march up that hill. It's putting very specific stress on specific calf muscle fibers, um, and it's just too much. And you do it enough for long enough, and then you go try and jump over a wall at the top, use your calves in an explosive way. Uh, that's that's not going to happen, right? You're, you're going to feel like somebody just grabbed your calf and just won't let go. Uh, so getting that better mobility at some of those joints are, is going to be critical so you can put the joint, put the muscles in a better position uh, for more prolonged periods of time. So hopefully that gives you some insight on not just why we get cramps, but hopefully some ideas on what you can do to prevent it. Um, so, you know, drink water, get electrolytes, but again, focus on that training, focus on mobility, and I think you're going to see a lot better results in terms of cramping there. All right, well, I thought for this week's research review, I'd talk about a concept called bilateral strength deficit. Um, this has been around for a really long time, um, probably since the 60s, but it's this idea that when we look at the strength levels of individual limbs and put them together, the numbers don't add up the way we think they would. So it's this essentially we have a situation where two plus two equals three, right? So we, we think 
we're getting this number, but we have this deficit. So for example, let's say we're doing a leg extension. And when you push with both legs, you, your maximum is 100 pounds. So we would think that, okay, well, probably 50% is coming from each leg. So 50, 50 pounds from my right leg, 50 pounds from my left leg will give me that 100 pounds. But when they look at this, they notice that when we look at that single leg uh, repetition, you're going to get a much higher number than what you'd expect. So uh, say, for example, we get 60 pounds that we can do on each leg. So when you add 60 and 60, we get 120 pounds. But when we tested our double leg leg extension, we had 100 pounds. So we have this deficit of 20 pounds there. So this is the concept that bilateral strength deficit is referring to that when you add up the single limb, limb strength from one side and the other, um, you don't get the same, you don't get double that number, essentially. We have a deficit there. So now this brings up the, the uh, idea of is what's better, single leg training or double leg training? And people will often refer to this concept uh, with this in mind. And of course, there's people on both sides of the the debate, right? Where uh, they'll say double leg is better and others will say single leg is better. Um, and it's, you know, who's right? So I think when we have these extremes, it's often probably somewhere in the middle is our best guess. But uh, we, we have seen studies where they look specifically at this double leg versus single leg training and see who gets stronger. And uh, for the most part, there's not that much of a significant difference uh, that we've seen. But I found one study that I thought was interesting where they took a group of triathletes. So they had 24 triathletes, put them on a training pro program, twice a week strength training uh, for uh, 10 weeks. And they split them up into three groups. The first group was the control group. So they did just their normal triathlete training, no strength training. Then the other two groups did actually the same exact workout, same reps, sets, same exercises. Uh, but one was doing bilateral, so they were using both limbs. The other was unilateral. And specifically, they were looking at lower body. And the unilateral group, what made this study a little unique was they did an alternating uh, repetition. So instead of doing a set on the right leg, a set on the left leg, they would go one rep on the right, one rep on the left, and alternate back and forth. The idea was because of something like cycling and sprinting and running, we have this alternating pattern, right? Where you're going from right to left leg. So they wanted to see if, if we mimic this in strength training, will it lead to any significant uh, improvements there? So after the 10 weeks, some of the uh, findings that they had were number one, both worked. Um, so any form of strength training is better than no form of strength training. So when they looked at just total strength levels, uh, the group that trained both legs at the same time, saw an increase in 28% in strength, while the other group that alternated uh, saw an increase of 27%, so basically the same, and uh, that compared to just 6% in the control group. So even the control group got a little stronger, but not, not very much. They also looked at time to exhaustion on the bike, and they saw uh, an interesting finding here. There was an increase in 67% in the single leg group for, for time to exhaustion, versus 43% in the double leg group. Um, and the non-strength training group only saw a 37% increase. So again, showing any form of strength training has a lot of benefit, not just on strength, but also in uh, endurance performance as well. So 
Um, all of these were, were just interesting, I thought. The now when we look at this, we see, hey, there's there's some pretty significant improvements in this single leg group, but does that mean we can we should throw away double leg training, right? And I think that's that's what the question comes down to. Um, really, when we look at the bilateral strength deficit, I, it, when you really look deep at it, it's not as easy as saying right leg plus left leg equals both legs, because in any single leg exercise you do, you're not just using your legs, you're using your entire body, just a portion of the body and the leg versus a portion of the body and the other leg. So it's I think that contributes to why we see. So the argument that we should be doing only single leg training, I don't think is totally accurate because, because of this effect. So really, I think we should be incorporating one, strength training, right? Hopefully we don't really need to talk about that. Strength training is gonna lead to significant improvements in all sorts of, of different sporting events and OCR is no different for endurance, for getting through the obstacles. We need to be doing strength training now if we're looking specifically maybe at running um, now I, I liked how they mixed up this study really what it makes me just be more want to be more mindful of is the creating variety in the programs that I write for clients so knowing that hey double leg strength work is going to be effective and in some situations might be better than single leg um, you know Let's look at flipping a tire, right? You're probably not going to flip it on one leg. We want to maximize total body strength to do something like that. Now, yes, running is single leg and there's many other activities that'll be single leg. Um, so sometimes I'm going to want to train specifically single leg and sometimes I'm going to want to alternate and do uh, alternating right, left, uh, whether it's upper body or lower body. So hopefully this all makes sense, but I just want to at least make it clear that I don't think there's a one right answer here. It's something that you need to mix up your training program. You need to have a little bit of, of everything in there. So an easy way to look at it is one day a week, are you doing bilateral training? Another day, are you doing unilateral training? Another day, are you doing alternating? And not that it has to be one day all bilateral, one day all unilateral. In fact, it's probably a good idea to uh, mix it up within a given workout where, hey, I might be doing a bilateral squat and then I'm gonna do a unilateral deadlift or hip hinge type exercise. And then I might do walking lunges. So I'm gonna get left, right, left, right. So start to think of your, your program and how you can start to tweak it a little bit in order to get all of the different kind of combinations within, within a given program or within a given workout. All right, well, today I'm gonna to be chatting with uh, SGX coach, Becky Webb. Uh, Becky's been a trainer for 13 years and has a really vast and uh, a variety of a background. She's a, uh, a mindset coach, uh, a gut health specialist, hormone specialist, TRX suspension trainer, instructor, CrossFit level one instructor, as I mentioned, SGX coach, a surge instructor, bar above instructor, and has worked with a vast variety of clients. I know that's a long list there, but uh, Coach Becky, how are you doing today? Doing awesome, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited to chat with you and uh, learn a little bit more about you and, and 
uh, hopefully get some good insight that our listeners can, can take away and, and apply to their lives. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super excited about this opportunity. Hopefully, right. we, hopefully somebody can can grow and uh, take take messages that have been applied to my own life and, and take those and run and become a better person. So because today we're talking about mindset and some habits uh, that we can do to uh, improve, improve that not just in not just in the Spartan uh, industry, but as well throughout daily life. Absolutely. So, uh, and, and this is going to be a great topic, but before we get into the uh, mindset and, and uh, that, I want to just learn a little bit more about you for our listeners so they can kind of see where you're coming from and kind of how you won, how you got into um, Spartan training, obstacle course race training, um, and, and then we'll, we'll get into what drew you to kind of mindset in particular. Yeah, so, so just to start off, um, <clears throat> My dad has been the biggest, biggest example for me throughout my life. Um, my dad's always been super hardworking. My mom raised me and I have a brother that's just 16 months older than a sister that's two and a half years younger. And then, um, some older half siblings, kind of a Brady bunch family. But my, my dad was, um, long haul truck driver. We didn't come from a very wealthy family. Um, and when I was in seventh grade, he was diagnosed with epilepsy. He lost his driver's license. He lost his ability to essentially be a man and provide. And, you know, that's really that back then that was really frowned upon. This was, you know, a couple decades ago, but not to date myself. Um, but he, he persevered. He did all that he could, uh, between treatments with his visits at the VA hospital, having to travel, you know, four or 500 miles round trip, um, for his visits, uh, it became very stressful, um, on my family, but he just kept going. He just, he continued to find those activities that would, that would allow him to not sit still, you know, just to continue to be active. And that's kind of what pushed me into changing, into changing my life. Um, my mom, you know, she had to, she had to pick up the slack from the the lack of income there. And there was a lot of stress put on her. She's going to be 70, um, this winter and she's still hauling those massive trays around the restaurant. There's no stopping her 60 hours a week. So she's, you know, she's also been kind of, she's also been a great influence for me as far as not keep, not keeping up. And so, um, you know, I was kind of forced to go to work early and, you know, just kind of fend for myself. And, you know, while that sucked, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie while that was very difficult. Um, and I, I just said, Hey, this is life. There's no other option. I got to go through with this. And so since then I've been working extremely hard. Um, so it's kind of what pushed me into, into, um, understanding the importance of mindset. Now you asked me about, you asked me what kind of got me into Spartan coaching, Spartan racing. I took a position at a local rec center. Um, and they asked me to become a Spartan coach because they said they had an awesome coach and she left. Um, the rec center was closed for about two years for a complete facelift, complete remodel expansion. It was super awesome. And I felt like I had big shoes to fill, uh, with this, with this, uh, previous coach that they had. Um, and I love the Spartan coach. I love, especially group fitness. That's, that's kind of my niche. That's where I, where I thrive. Um, you go to different certifications, uh, different classes, um, specific dance classes, and I won't name any just to, you know, out of respect for, for different companies. Um, but there's, there's a limitation. Um, and I don't like to be limited. I don't like to be constricted. I want to just be able to grow and flourish and 
adopt a specific mindset and out of all the certifications and everything that I've had, um, the SGX Spartan lifestyle is something that I can truly push that I can live, that I can help others grow and thrive in as well. That's awesome. Um, I, I really thank you for sharing your story and with your parents and um, kind of how you were forced to, to just step up. And, and luckily you found a, a spot that made sense for you and, and you can thrive. And, um, you know, I, um, there was a book, um, the power broke, uh, by Damon, Damon, John from the, the guy from the shark tank and, um, oh, yeah. kind of with that mindset of how many great people come from, like a hard background. And while obviously nobody wants to go through um, a tough, a tough childhood and death and, and all these yeah. different things, but there are people that can, you know, rise above and they, they're going to, they almost make it a advantage. And, um, you know, it kind of sounds like you, you had no choice and well, I guess you always have a choice, right? You could, you do absolutely yeah. just fall and eat chips on the couch. You can get up and not only just rise to the occasion, um, so there's a, there's a three options, lay on the couch, wallow in pity and eat your potato chips, which my high school mascot was a potato. So I think that's kind of funny, but, um, or, you know, rise to the occasion and do the demands, um, and complain about it or whatever, or you can slay it. That's kind of my trademark. Um, Becky burpees and slaying things, right? It's like off with the head. I'm going to crush this. We've got this. So there's those three kind of those three levels there. Cool. Uh, so, but uh, I, I definitely want to dive more into this, but I'd love to know just what's a typical week look like for you, just your personal um, training yeah. program, you know, what, what, cause you have such a, a wide variety of backgrounds. So I'd love to know kind of how you maybe mesh those together or kind yeah. of what, what currently you're into. Yeah, no, that's, that's a, that's a fantastic question. So I am also, I'm also a certified nutritionist. Um, so I do a lot of nutrition coaching. I incorporate that into people, um, that really want to adopt the Spartan lifestyle. Um, so I've been coaching level one classes, which is just basic, you know, basic fitness, improving overall athleticism as Spartan preaches. Um, but then there's a level two people that really want to emulate and live the Spartan lifestyle with nutrition, with mindset. So I incorporate that in these, in these weekly consults that I do. Um, Saturday, I'm working with the local gym here. I'm going to be a judge for a CrossFit Open. So that's super fun. So Saturday is kind of like my play day. I usually will either go into like a Krav Maga class. I teach women's self-defense as well, just as, you know, pop-up pop up classes or whatever, or like a six-week. I just finished up a six-week course uh, with women because um, I'm all about empowerment. Um, I usually coach classes anywhere from 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. Uh, spend the, spend the morning, you know, taking my, I have, um, four children. I usually take my, my little one, my oldest is 13. Then I have a six, four and two year old. So I usually take my two, my two middle daughters to like their tumbling class or like a cheer camp or whatever during the summer, I'll take them to the gym. I'll go get my workout in. Um, and sure that's very, very important to me. So I can show up for my athletes, um, or my general population, corporate employees that work nine to five, whatever the demographic may be. Um, then I'll come home, get lunch. I'll take an hour break for myself and then go back and jump in to my nutrition consults, coaching evening classes. Um, I coach at another local rec center as well. So definitely busy. There's never a dull moment. And you can bet that in every single, every single class, there's bound to be a burpee somewhere. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. So, um, 
let's let's talk mindset because this is a question that just comes up all the time, whether people know they're asking it or not. Sometimes, yeah. where I think it's people are are realizing. Obviously, there's the physical portion, right? You have to be prepared, and that's a lot of the things that many of us kind of love, you know, sickly love love to do. Um, so, with mindset, I, I just love to know kind of your philosophy and maybe how how you implement this in, from a training perspective or how I'm trying to incorporate this with, with clients. Um, and just, yeah. I know it's a loaded question. So um, just, yeah. Like what, how do you attack mindset when working with an individual? Um, that is, I can't answer that, that question specifically because it varies from individual to individual. I've worked with very elite NFL athletes who have the worst mindset possible. And then I've worked with a mom who's eight weeks postpartum. who's just like, I'm ready to crush this. Let's do this. I want my body back. She finds her motivation. She finds her why she taps into that mindset. She gives the, she gives everything her effort, um, greatest effort, nonetheless, 110%, you know, on top of nursing and taking care of a baby running on next to no sleep. Right. I'm kind of thank heavens mostly out of that phase. <laughs> um, so let's, yeah, let's do, let's do talk mindset. So Mike, let me ask you what, what is my, mindset? Like, what do you think mindset is? Uh, so for me, I, I guess your mindset would be your, um, your current belief system on what, what you're capable of, or maybe your control of your, your environment or your outcome or something along those lines. I'm glad that you said, I'm glad that you said abilities. Um, so there's two different types of mindsets. I'm sure you guys have heard over, I'm sure you've heard about fixed mindset versus growth mindset. So fixed mindset really focuses on abilities instead of attitude. You know, oh, I can't do that because I have a torn ACL. You know what? I don't want to hear any excuses. I've had seven reconstructive knee surgeries. Um, I'm still doing burpees. I'm still out running. Like it's almost the fixed mindset. I just want to tell people like, get over yourself. There's more than just your abilities. What about your attitude? And that's the difference between the, the, uh, <clears throat> the fixed mindset over the growth mindset, growth mindset really focuses on attitude. Um, even though I have an injury, I can still, it's, I can't versus I can. Um, and so I love to hear people's, I can't, cause some of them are just so ridiculous. And I just turn away and kind of snicker, you know, off in the corner. So I'm like, really? Like, unless they have a valid reason, of course, I'm obviously there to help support them. Um, but I've heard so many excuses under the sun. It's just, it's unbelievable mindset. So traits of traits of a fixed mindset, you know, it's an all or nothing. Um, people really just want to instantaneous results. They don't want to put in the work, you know, there's, there's so much of that going on. They just want, you know, it, they want things short-term, whereas a long-term open growth mindset is like, Hey, I'm in this for the entire lifestyle. I just had a bad experience that flipped my life completely around and I'm ready to run and be positive. Um, the, the thing that, the thing that, um, you know, we can talk about different types of mindsets, but it's like, how do people get into developing into a growth mindset versus, uh, you know, staying stagnant in that, uh, in that fixed mindset. And a lot of people don't know these, these, uh, these tricks. And there's six elements that I want to discuss today. Um, habits are your armor. Um, if you're in a battle, right, say you're on a horse and someone's coming at you with a javelin, 
you don't have armor on, you're going to take one for the team or take everything, right? Fall off the horse, you end up dead, life's over, you know, no more lives left, no more lives left, right? Kind of like a video game here. Um, or you can put on the more armor that you have on, the greater the ability you have to be able to resist those blows. Um, not saying that you won't get hurt, not saying that you won't get injured, because that does happen. That happens to us in life, regardless of the trials or tribulations that we have to endure. Um, but I want to just dive quickly into these, into these because these are so important. Number one on this list, um, as far as developing a growth mindset, this is kind of where I want to focus our energy today is, is developing that growth mindset. Um, number one, stress. We can talk about stress all day long. Um, you know, is the stressor, are the stresses in your life positive or negative? Which ones are awesome? Which ones are not so awesome? List the positive ones on your, on a piece of paper, tape it to your mirror. For example, something that you have to look forward to that causes a little bit of, uh, positive anxiety, if you will, or, um, releases good endorphins, something that gives you, uh, something to work toward uh, a goal specifically is what I'm, what I'm talking about. When I say you stress, um, negative stressors, I love to write those things down. I'll come back to those later. And then I focus on the positive things, right? Um, with that stress, are you doing anything to cope with that stress? Are you going to therapy? We just got out of a nasty pandemic. Some people say it's going on. Some people say it's, oh, we're past it, right? Whatever your belief, none of my business. Awesome. But figure out a solution. Um, for me, and I'll be honest, like I needed to go to counseling because it took such a hit on me not being able to be employed by a gym. I took a desk job in which I was very unhappy. It took a massive toll on my marriage. I wasn't able to be present for my kids, though I was still working out in the mornings. It wrecked, it wrecked me. Um, so whatever that looks like for you, do what you can to manage stress. Meditation is probably the biggest thing um, that helps me. Whether you're religious or not, you know, saying a prayer in your heart, bring, thanking the universe for those things that are around you. Um, just spending 15 minutes a day and thinking about or listing out um, my favorite way to do this is just calling my mom or calling, talking to my husband or even my children. Um, I spent a lot of time with my children. And so I want them to develop this mindset as well. Um, you know, just telling them about the good things that happened today, because it makes you more of an accountability partner for, for that person as well. And it kind of just has a little ripple effect on, on that person around you. Um, self-care, what are you doing to care for yourself? For me, it's getting my workout in. It's spending five minutes in my journal, writing things that I'm thankful for. Um, and then it's at the end of the night, getting down on my knees and just saying a good prayer and not asking for anything, but just expressing gratitude. Um, there are two things that you have control over. That's gratitude and attitude. Um, as far as stress goes, those two things go so hand in hand with stress. Now, obviously there are physical um, conditions, metabolically speaking, uh, hormones, if you will. Um, cortisol levels, if your cortisol levels are too low or too high, obviously you may, you know, I would, if you're one of my clients would refer you out to a physician, um, just saying my, in my scope of practice. So whatever that looks like for you, managing stress, um, real quick, in, I, I wanted to ask you something yeah. just cause you mentioned meditation and, yeah. um, I'd love to get just any insight you have. So I, this is, it's one of those things. Some people 
love it and love it or hate it. Um, and I don't think people argue the benefit of it. It's yeah. more, how do I incorporate this? And, and I'll definitely fall into that category. I've, I've tried uh, a few times and I've, I've just struggled. It's been really hard for me to, to, you know, get into like a meditation routine. And I don't know if you have any tips, advice, strategies for anybody who's kind of similar where, um, Absolutely. maybe they've never tried it before. don't know where to start or they've tried it and it, it did stick where, where maybe they could go. Yeah. So I was also new to, to meditation. I didn't really think of it as like, a you know, a, a mandatory thing in success with any of my life endeavors. Um, but there's an app that I highly recommend. It's called smiling mind. I'll just kind of put my screen up here. If you can see it, it's like this little white brain. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's my lawn care app. Don't judge my lawn, but <laughs> smiling mind. Um, it's a, it's an Australia based app. Um, it ranges from, you know, kids three to six, there's preschool apps, there's nighttime app or nighttime programs that you can follow. Um, some range in variation from, you know, a minute and a half clear on up to 15, 20 minutes, you get a selector time. I highly recommend it. It just walks you through. There's so many different, um, outlines that you can follow the, the, the array is so wide that it's going to be very likely that you'll find something that fits your current situation for that day, you know, for that specific day, whether it's, whether it's stress relief, whether it's like, Hey, I'm struggling to go to sleep. I can't fall asleep, you know? Um, so smiling mind is definitely a great way to get started. Kind of introduces you to that. Um, some other meditation can, can also include, you know, sh- turning the lights out, going to a yoga class for an hour, um, whatever that looks like for you. So just start somewhere. So those are two recommendations that I have as far as meditation. Thank you. Definitely going to check out that app. Yeah. Smiling mind. Um, super funny. My daughters love it when we're traveling home, sometimes late from the gym, I'll have a late personal training client and they're like, mom, we have a half an hour. Come on. This drive is so boring. Can you put on smiling mind? And they sit there and sometimes we'll say, Hey, let's get ready for bed. So my daughter's like, Kate, mom, I can't lay down. It just told me to lay down. I'm like, nope, keep your seatbelt done up, girls. Safety <laughs> over sleep. <laughs> you know, so there's there's different ways to there's different ways to adapt uh, to that to that um, to that meditation app. I I highly recommend it. And there's there's obviously other ones out there that are um, that you can pay for. Calm Calm is an excellent one. I believe it. Um, I believe it's like seventy dollars or eighty dollars. Uh, I think it's a month. It's kind of expensive. I'm all about the freebies. I'm raising a family. So, but calm okay, is cool. great. If you, yeah, it's, it's cheaper than a therapist, honestly. And that's what people struggle with. If they've just learned to meditate, they can usually uh, reduce their stress levels greatly. Okay. Awesome. Uh, and I'll put links to these in the show notes for this episode as well. Yeah, that'd be great. That would be awesome. awesome. You can so just find our- the app store or iOS store. Okay. Perfect. Uh, so, so let's keep going. Let's, uh, uh, keep moving through, uh, uh, our list here for mindset. Yeah. So mindset, we just went over stress. Let's hit sleep. Sleep is where I suck. (laughs) (laughs) I'm human. I, I, I stress about everything. I'm a mom. I have a very overactive mind, right? Um, my, my, one of my really good friends, Casey, Tom, Casey underscore Tom underscore on Instagram. She is phenomenal. I highly recommend her. She's an FDM. Um, also a mindset coach and gut health expert. She has been a great influence on my life, but she gave me the best tips. She said, if you're struggling with sleep. You're set up bedtime. You're not a toddler anymore. I don't care. It's an excuse, right? Set a reverse alarm. If you want to be in bed by nine, 
set a reverse alarm for eight o'clock and then set one for 805 so that you have that extra five minutes to finish up whatever project you're on. If you're type A personality like myself, I don't like to be cut off from a project, but I like to have sufficient time to be able to allow myself to um, pull away from that project. Do those things, you know, shower, brush your teeth, follow your normal routine for getting, getting to bed. Then you still have some time left over for that meditation, for that prayer, for writing in a gratitude journal, etc. That way you can unload that hour before you actually fall asleep or crawl into bed gives you that time to just unload and decompress. And it has been so instrumental in helping me make sure that I get enough sleep and adults, regardless of your age, you know, usually require something nine hours of sleep. So if you guys are struggling with sleep, set that reverse alarm, your body needs it. you know, 80% of the remodeling in your body, especially after a hard workout, um, cellular reproduction and repair happens at night during that REM cycle. So that's why sleep is so, so, so imperative. So reverse alarm an hour before set a timer to finish up whatever project you're on. Now it's summer, you know, people for the July coming up, people are going to be staying up later. Um, you know, it doesn't matter. Stick to the same schedule. There are going to be those nights where you do have an exception, but set limitations, set boundaries out of respect for yourself. So you know, go out and have fun, still be a normal human, but still keep those boundaries in effect and don't slip up on them. Consistency is, is key there. Um, pretty funny with sleep. It's one of those things, again, it's like people won't argue how important it is, but the amount of effort they put into it is not there. And it's like, they want the advanced nutrition workout and it's like, but you're sleeping three hours a night. What's all that stuff going to do for you anyway. And it's, this is where you have to start. And I don't think it can be said enough. Yeah. Set, set a reverse alarm. Absolutely. Um, the third component that I want to address is nutrition. Simplify. This is the biggest stressor that I can go into. Um, the biggest fact that I can push on people simplify, take Sunday as my prep day. I make a meal for the week. I get my shopping done on Saturday, the night before, um, whatever day you choose to meal prep. Um, chop up those carrots or whatever, so that you can saute them the next day or whatever your, whatever your schedule looks like, right? Prep the day before, or even a couple days before a little bit of prep goes a long way. There's baked potatoes sitting in my fridge all the time. So if I'm running late, I'm like, Hey, here's some garlic and herb seasoning, toss those in the frying pan. You're good to go. It takes five minutes, right? I'm good to go. Preparation is key with nutrition. There's a principle. Um, that is taught by one of my former coaches at Fidelity Investments. Um, and he said, automaticity is key. I love that word. I love that phrase, automaticity. The more automated you are, the easier it is, the, the less stress you're going to have because you know your routine. And make sure that the routine that you set up for yourself is something that's going to sustain, uh, be sustainable in the long run, but make sure it's also pointing towards your goals. You know, we talk about we talk about the SMART goals, S-M-A-R-T, um, hitting on that R really hard, being realistic with your, with your goals. Um, so before you really dive into this nutrition thing, think about your goals. Think, is this achievable? Can I really do this with my nutrition? Do I have um, people in my, in my community, in my environment that's going to support me in this? Regardless if you do or not, you need to trust yourself. You need to believe in yourself enough 
that you can do this on your own. Um, so with nutrition, yeah, again, like I said, automaticity preparation is super key. Um, I, I love that. I love that you bring that up kind of like you were talking about before with habits, like that's what this is, right? It's whenever I hear people talk about willpower and motivation, yep. I know they're in, you're in trouble because those aren't going to get you long-term results, right? You can, if you're at a party and you're really trying to be good and it's just like a one-time thing and you're like, I'm just not going to drink or I'm not going to get the dessert. Like that's when you rely on the willpower, like in that one instance. But when it's like, and I, I know people who every day they're relying on how strong they are to not eat something or whatever it might be. And you'll get away with it sometimes, but most of the times you're going to break down and it's usually going to have the rebound effect where you're just going to go crazy from there. Uh, and then going back to number one, right. And now we're adding more stress to your life. We're trying to do this good thing. And it, it's actually going to be digging the hole a little bit deeper. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I love Red Bulls, but find something that is more sustainable. This is my favorite energy drink. Um, it's B it's got adaptogens that help mitigate and regulate cortisol levels. I can, I can keep going on. I know that we're getting short on time here, but I wanted to go over the, the other three or yeah, yeah the, the other three here. Um, I just, I basically hit on, um, uh, community and environment. Look around your bedroom. Where do you spend the most time? Does that inspire you to be a better person? Do you have red paint on the walls? That's causing you a lot of stress. If it does do something to fix it, consult with someone else, share your goals with them, let them know, Hey, this needs a change. What do you recommend? Um, and, and build that community to support you, um, with your environment, purge those people out of your life that are taker, taker, takers, get rid of those guys. You don't need them. There's plenty of people out in the world like that. Um, obviously be generous with your time. You know, don't be, don't be so money hungry and greedy that all you have is this, you know, really nasty reputation of just not wanting to help people, you know, be true to who you are, um, in your community and find, find those people in, in your community and really embrace those people that, that fully support you. Uh, again, going back to environment, uh, and, and, and sleep, I, I keep hitting on sleep so much, but is your environment, do you sweat at night? Do you need to turn down the thermostat? Do you need to crank it up in the winter? Whatever it might be, right. Be adaptable, be coachable. Um, and then the other thing that I wanted to hit on, um, as far with environment, are those things in your environment weights, are they weighing you down? We can all do, uh, you know, we can all try to do a clean and jerk. Right. But is that weight going to come crashing down on top of your head as soon as you get up into, into full extension? Right? No, don't overload yourself control. This is where control comes in. Um, or are they lifters? Are those things in your life lifting you, inspiring you to be a better person? Um, and then going back to community really fast, are you going far? Are you going slow? You know, turtle always wins the race. The hair stops and it's just all over the place. Like a pinball in a pinball machine, breathe, take time to breathe. Um, don't go fast and crash, slow down, assess yourself, be raw, be real, be vulnerable talk to somebody, write it down in a journal. Usually if we write it down on a journal, we have some kind of accountability to look back on uh, later. And then movement, uh, movement being the last key here, get out and move, get some vitamin D. Vitamin D is one of the things that most, most people in the world, um, you know, Spartan being international, I can say this, uh, movement, get out and move. You have a disability, you have, I, like my dad, I have epilepsy. 
it's difficult for me to move in specific environments because of the lighting. The lighting will send me into triggers where, where I, uh, not able to focus and then I lose consciousness. Um, but there's always something that you can do to better, to better your situation. And guys, I'm so like, I can't, I can't push this enough. Look at those six factors. Again, I'll name those off really fast. Stress, sleep, nutrition, movement, environment, and community. Pick one thing every once a week Focus on that for the next six weeks and keep a journal of the changes that you see happening. And you, once you get these things under control, you're going to notice that your mindset is going to improve greatly. So these are some steps that you can do um, to just greatly increase your ability to develop that positive mindset, to be open to new challenges, to not shrink away from things that seem daunting. You know, I'll be honest, my guy, you know, with this, with this podcast, like podcasts are kind of not my jam. I'm not like a... Hmm. A, a camera type person, I'll go out and coach a coach a bar class, you know, with 35 participants, no problem. But the second I get in front of a camera, you know, it does make me nervous, but I'm like, nope, embrace it. Let's do this. Let's go. You know, yeah. it, it just goes back to mindset. And just remember, um, most of us have families, right? Most of us have children. Most of us have people, clients, whatever your profession is that, that look up to you, that follow your example. Remember that those people pick up on your energies. So do it, do these things, not for those people. They're going to eventually figure out what you're doing, right? As you make these changes and implement positivity into your life, but make sure, understand why you're doing, why you want to change your life um, to develop that better mindset, to increase success in the future, find your why, find your true motivation. Um, So those are just some awesome little tips that I have for you. Hopefully, hopefully those will be... (laughs) Hopefully those will help someone out there. I know that they have greatly, greatly influenced me again. Shout out to shout out to my favorite person in the whole world, Casey Tom. She's on Instagram, on Facebook as well. Um, I highly recommend following her. She's she posts every single day. Today is a beautiful day. I'm going to crush today. You know, those little things. That's the other thing too. go in the mirror every single morning, say a mantra in every single one of my Spartan class. People can expect burpees. And they can also expect to recite it, recite a positive affirmation about themselves because that's kind of the community that I have fostered within, especially my level one and level two Spartan classes. And they look so much forward to it. Um, maybe not thinking about it, but hearing other people's affirmations will definitely help them grow. So. Absolutely. I think that's, that's a great way to incorporate that into a, into a class. Cause I'm sure in a class setting, versus a one-on-one setting, it gets a little harder, but that's a great, simple thing. And actually, that's what I loved with, with everything you talked about today. These are all simple, right? doesn't make them easy, but they're, they're simple. You, you definitely can um, do daily things to work on all these, but I like, yeah, just pick one, one area, focus on it. And then that positive mindset is, it just happens, like it's automatic almost. You, you don't really have to try. And, um, but I'm thankful that you uh, did come on and didn't let the, uh, the podcast or the camera freak you out too much. Um, kind of, I, you know, one thing I always like love thinking about with mindset is so many people worry about, well, what if it goes wrong? Right. What if I stumble over my words? What if my kids run in the door, which they've done on podcast <laughs> episodes? Uh, who, who knows? Right. So it's why, but then it's, why can't we think what if 
this opens up a huge opportunity for me, right? What if I sign Absolutely. up for a race and it is life-changing and all the good. So, so I hope that coming on opens up some kind of opportunity for you. But um, if anybody does want to learn more about you and ask you any questions or whatever it might be, where might be a good place to reach out to you? Yeah. So the easiest, I'm very active on social media. Um, <clears throat> Michael, I'll send over my, uh, I'll send over my Instagram handle. Um, but the easiest is on Facebook under web nutrition or excuse me, web fitness and nutrition. Um, and I'm usually pretty quick to get back to people usually within 48 hours. So. Okay. Awesome. So yeah, send over, uh, whatever you send to me, I'll make sure again to put in the uh, show notes uh, so people can check that out. Uh, well, Becky, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for sharing your insight. And I know our listeners will get a lot out of, uh, out of, uh, these six tips and really implementing them into their, their daily lives. So thank you so much. Thanks, Mike. Have an awesome day. Go crush it. All right, guys, that's going to do it for episode 86 of the OCR underground show. I want to give a big thanks to SGX coach Becky Webb and uh, sharing her insights and giving us some great tips for mindset training. I also wanted to thank uh, the sponsors of the show. Yeah, make sure you check out Venga CBD and Anchor Training Systems. And if you need help with any of your OCR training, uh, make sure you check out my site at OCRunderground.com and you can even sign up for my two-week free training program to get you started on kind of what I think are the essentials for any OCR training program. All right, uh, again, the show notes are at OCRunderground.com slash episode 86. That's going to do it for now. Until next time, keep training smarter.